Ramirez, your host of Stand Out and Grow. I want to help your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Building your business is really, really hard. And knowing what marketing and advertising tools you need to help you become successful is extremely confusing. After 30 years of working with thousands of businesses, I am here to help you make good business decisions. I want to help you understand the programs that are available to you so that you can stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. So let's get started. Hey there, this is Kat, and I am live. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited. I have a special guest that I hope will um, educate and enlighten you and maybe uh, engage you to take some action and uh, inquire about his services. So uh, I'm very lucky to have Drew Neal on today as we discuss uh, unlocking your potential with empowering leadership. So Drew, Drew has uh, helped over 250 companies and nearly 1,000 founders across 20 nations scale their business by growing uh, employees and creating innovation solutions for their greatest challenges. I love this. I even love the bio that he gave me. That is amazing. I'm very clear on who he is and what he's doing. So without further ado, let me bring Drew on so that you can meet him and he can tell you all the great things that he's doing. Hey, Drew. Hello there, Kat. How are you today? I'm doing great. And I am so very thankful to have you on our show today. And uh, let me preference everyone. So if you're tuning in now, please drop me a comment. Let me know where you're tuning in from. I always love to uh, know where you are from and if you are seeing this in the rebroadcast just put r and then let me know where you're coming from but if anybody has any questions or comments just drop them in the comments and then i'll pop them up as we have drew here live with us uh so tell us a little bit about your background and who you are drew yeah cat well you know um my story is, uh, is is pretty simple, you know, in the sense that it relates with many. We've all had to overcome something in our lives. And in that overcoming, we learn how to apply ourselves to the world and, and ultimately solve a problem. And I think there's a lot of purpose available in that. And so I was, um, I had a really interesting childhood. I'm obviously not going to get all the stories, but ultimately I was mercilessly bullied and uh, so much reconstructive surgery on my face. It was very violent wow. experiences that I had. And, and so I was always the outsider. I was the square peg in a round hole and didn't always relate and uh, didn't understand how to translate who I was even socially in some of those instances. And so, uh, and yet I also had an authority. I had a command when I walked in the room, which intimidated people of power. So I had to figure out who I was. How do I relate with the world? How do I connect? And, and so I spent, um, you know, after high school, I got certified as a counselor and, uh, and began my education there, wanting to understand how, you know, how humans work together and uh, found myself in a chair uh, at a desk and had people across from me doing a few thousand hours of, of counseling. And I was like, I can't sit in this chair for the rest of my life. 
I love the people who can. I said, but I, as I took that, I began to realize that um, I really had the ability to help um, other organizations um, with human mechanics and human design and really, you know, mitigate conflict. And so I started getting the change management and understanding how to do that. And, and it's really kind of grown into uh, really 20 years of leadership development and the chance to help other people overcome their greatest challenges and really build powerful teams that can thrive um, inside of a culture that allows for people and profits to grow inside the company. And so I've had the joy to travel around the world and to speak and to uh, consult and to encourage people that they can choose to do right by people and also do well for themselves at the same time. And so it's a courageous journey, but it's the right journey. I'm excited to be here today and talk more about it. That is awesome. Um, so I also read on your bio, and I'm going to bring this out because I find now listening to your story that there is a little connection here that you co-developed a digital is it SEL program, our platform for high schoolers. What is, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. I was a key contributor uh, from a content uh, perspective um, for a social and emotional learning platform uh, mm. called Purpose Prep. And uh, and so it's been an exciting opportunity. It's now distributed in every state in America, actually. Wow. And uh, which is very, very cool. I was actually on a live stream just like this one time and had a teacher pop on in the comments and said, are you the Drew Neal that had this story? Because our whole classroom was so touched by your story and and the framework you gave them on how to overcome these social situations. And uh, so it's been really encouraging um, to have that opportunity uh, to help young people develop become more aware of themselves, understand how to translate themselves in a social setting um, that would really allow them to advance purpose and, and life-giving uh, outcomes in their lives. Wow, that's incredible. And I love that, that part of that, reading your bio. So that's incredible. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that you do because your focus really is creating teams, right? going into businesses and really kind of diagnosing and evaluating a business and their team and how they're communicating and how they're functioning. Um, and I, I think that you probably are able to share some of the challenges or some of the problems that you find that are going to be relatable here to some people, right? That I'm sure a lot of people will be able to identify. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, you know, we're in an interesting season right now because you know, technology uh, is scaling faster than humans can relate, yep. right? And so from a systems point of view, from an automation point of view, uh, businesses, they, I mean, they're just, they can come to market and can explode. And and here we are with the human capital challenge now in that moment, right? Because our yep. systems are there, our process is there, our product is ready, it's, you know, distribution is available and there's demand. And yet now we need humans to work together to govern um, that business so it's sustainable. And oftentimes the amount of work that people put into automating their business, scaling their business from a systems and process point of view overwhelms the amount of time they put into developing leaders. Yeah. And his, historically, the leaders that we've promoted in our businesses were usually the person that was the most qualified technician. And so in their, line, in their lane, they were the most... Um, you know, consistent leader from a expertise point of view, but we don't do much to understand their human skills. 
and uh, their ability to really lead people to a higher objective, not just be the resident expert on a technology or a particular process. And so we're really in a little bit of a, of a conundrum right now, uh, you know, for sure here in Western markets on, um, we have a leadership gap. We have a leadership vacuum because right. technology is growing our company so fast and yet we're not sustainable. And, um, and so we have, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who are finding success quickly, which is also exciting, but they've also not led teams before. They haven't hired and fired. They have they don't know how to broker partnership. And so there's a real gap. There's a blind spot there for a lot of small businesses that are seeing, you know, quick success. And, uh, and the challenge is how do we sustain it? And so right. oftentimes they end up just choosing the profit route. How do I just make sure my numbers are right? Uh, without really understanding that those numbers won't be sustainable unless they're able to invest into their human capital as much as they have their financial capital, obviously. And so, you know, I really show up when people are wanting to really define a thriving culture because culture really dictates how people are going to behave, the values they're going to lead with inside of the business so that we can duplicate those values inside of the workforce and hire people that are already aligned before they even get there so we can have that natural chemistry and expertise that will grow the team and of course yep. grow a profitability. Yeah. And I can resonate with this because this makes perfect sense. Um, one of the things I talk to businesses about all the time is especially since COVID, okay, COVID hit, a lot of us had to reinvent ourselves. A lot of us had to reinvent our business, you know, what have you. And a lot of our challenges are people challenges, right? A lot of people challenges. And then the other challenge a lot of business owners have or have seen is they were doing all the work. Like they might might have had a team, but they were doing all the work. And um, I, I, I've talked to business about this all the time is if you ever want to exit, right? If you ever want to exit. Anybody who's going to buy your business is going to buy it if there's someone else in charge, right? Because they don't want to buy a business to buy a job. They want to buy a business that can scale and grow with powerful team members, right? And this is something I talk about all the time because, you know, a lot of my um, audience or my customer base are a growing that are in that, you know, baby boomer era or, in that Gen X toward the higher part. And they never really think about, right, what's the long term? What's my 10-year plan? What's my five-year plan? Because all of this really alludes to what you're talking about, really lines up with what you're talking about. Because if you're not preparing yourself for, right, that next venture or to sell your business or exit somehow, you know, then what are, why are we doing what we're doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, certainly. I mean, it's really just comes down to the preference of the owner. There's some great lifestyle businesses that are out there. Um, you know, the, the, the great, you know, exit sell, you know, try to try to find your unicorn um, is interesting. Uh, it's, it is a, you know, it, it's a, you know, mystical animal for a reason, because it's hard to nail down the unicorn. Right. And uh, but no matter the motivation for, um, you know, for the business long term, if you want to hold it, I mean, if you're looking to exit, your business has to be sustainable according to your leadership preference. Right. 
And so for the the owner who's looking to scale businesses and to you know get in, get out, acquisitions, sale, whatever it is, um, where you're gonna have to have a great operator that you can trust in the process to grow to that business so that it becomes valuable enough to sell and make a profit on it. If you're in a lifestyle business, you're looking for a different type of partnership with your employees. But what you're looking for needs to look like what supports the overall goal. And so really getting owners to become intelligent on their preference, their desires, why the company is going to exist and how to build a team that's going to find meaning and purpose. You know, essentially, you know, the workforce is just getting so intelligent and right. and ultimately they've been taken advantage of for a lot of years because the reward for the owner was disproportionate to the reward for the employees. And, and I love obviously rewarding people for taking on liability, risk, responsibility. I, I love rewarding, you know, the people who, um, who start things and they should be disproportionately rewarded. I, I, but there's a lot of room to incentivize our employees at a much higher level than what we do. And, you know, decentralization and technology is starting to give us a lot more understanding of, of how the workforce can leverage their ability to gain more value and have long-term impact. And so uh, because they're getting much more sophisticated financially, um, it's allowing them to ask the question of, well, what type of experience do I wanna have now? As I start to earn at a higher level, I can also have a preference on what type of experience I wanna have with those that I work with. And so the data on this is so compelling. I mean, it's just remarkable if you're, as you're seeing that people are now saying, Almost at a majority, we're in those, the, the 40 some percentile, if it's 43 or 46 percent, say that they would much rather have a positive and meaningful work environment than to get paid more money. So if there's right. two options on the table, get the raise or get that better culture, they're saying, I want to choose the better culture. And this trend right now is hockey sticking. It's going up and people are, you know, businesses need to understand that the new competitive edge um, is going to be a dignifying human experience, not just for the user, but also for the workforce. And so you can't rest on your laurels of, hey, I have the best technology or I'm, I'm very well funded or, you know, we have a lot of distribution. Uh, you'd actually need to understand the power of having a team because a team that's connected and can execute will set you apart from anybody else in the market. Right. And when you talk about team, it's not necessarily like a team where you're visual and you're out in front of clients and so on. It can be a team that is more behind the scenes as well, right? Like, because not every business has like a, a out front team, right? Like, um, I I meet a lot of clients that have um, a lot of automation going on. And um, they like the automation. And then on the back end, they have the team that does all the support and, you know, all of the backhand work. When you talk about team, you're talking about any part, anybody who's a part of the team. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, ta I'm talking about your employees. Any, anybody yeah. who's employed, you know, they're making things happen. You know, if you're a solar, solopreneur right now, most people who start as a solopreneur have goals and objectives that aren't able to be hit until they have a team. Yep. And at some point you have to hire somebody at some point you have to delegate At some point you're going to have to find other experts um, who carry expertise in your blind spots so that the company actually can grow and, and take on, you know, some of the goal. Most entrepreneurs 
want to control their time, right? They want yes. to control their time. And even if they work a lot, they want to choose to work a lot or choose when they yep. work a lot so that they can be available to show up at that basketball game, to take that three-day getaway vacation when they want to, to have extra income in this particular area, or to manage and control resources um, that you gain control of as an entrepreneur. I have a, access to a lot of technology. I have a, access to a, a lot of relationships. I have a, access to a lot of influence because I'm a business owner, which benefits me beyond just the success of my business. And so it's great to control resources. When you control resources, you have leverage. And yep. so as entrepreneurs, we're in that position because we want that leverage um, to be able to advance and to work with other people and to help other people build as well. But you need a team to get to the ultimate goals and objectives that most entrepreneurs are looking for, um, which is that access and control to time. And so understanding how to build a thriving culture will begin to be a blueprint and a roadmap for what, who the right team member is. It's no longer just about, can you do the job? Are you, you know, um, competent in the right. expertise I need. And now it's about what is the cultural fit and what's the leadership style and what's the capacity of this team member on our team, considering how I prefer to lead as the owner, all of these variables come into play. And so we're needing to get more sophisticated on our human data to understand how to build that thriving team so that those businesses can scale, be sold or be sustained and be held. Yeah. So what do you find is the biggest challenge that you run across when you are, you know, meeting these businesses and kind of analyzing it? I'm sure there's a trend of some sort. Yeah, certainly. You know, especially well, small businesses, you know, are usually founded by people who um, have a high tolerance for risk. Uh, they want to be responsible for themselves. And, and I usually have been a bit cavalier, right, in their ability to work under others, right? Yeah. And so they have launched out to go after themselves. Um, but there's a real need for self-awareness to be developed in the leader. Um, because inside of that journey of becoming self-aware in your leadership style, in your emotional makeup, you're really able to understand your preferences um, that uh, create the, the culture and the environment around you. Um, what are your core values? What really governs your behavior? Um, as you become aware of these things, it allows you to architect and to become intentional rather than just being instinctual. You yeah. see, when you're an instinctual leader, leader, you can find yourself in great situations. But when pressure comes, you know, when there's a new deadline, when when your top client who's, you know, 50 percent of your volume is, you know, put everything on the table and it might be going away or when that key employee is no longer able to be there for you anymore, um, pressure sets in and our behavior begins to be challenged because under pressure, we have a, we have to answer the question. Will I violate my own values and really become a person who's operating outside of who I am under pressure? Or will I stay the course of success? And when we're able to be intentional about that governance of success, understanding our leadership style, having emotional intelligence, understanding how to build a team that's going to thrive, um, we can really double down on the human experience and understand how to govern the controls of our business with people in mind so we can be sustainable, get out of that pressure filled situation. And so I found that, you know, the biggest blind spot oftentimes for small business owners is that they are not self-aware. They're not aware of the preferences they have. 
We're not aware of the core values that it takes to govern a successful business for them. Right. So yep. it's not about it's not up to me to define what a thriving culture is because right. uh, thriving cultures is about, you know, subjective preferences uh, that create an environment for people to thrive in. And of course, we're all very, very different. And so, you know, for some, you know, cultures, um, a great example is, you know, Elon Musk jumping into Twitter. You know, he's, you know, really kind of put it out there that the culture is going to change. And so he's let a lot of talented people go, not not because he didn't want the, their talent. It was because they weren't a cultural fit. And so Twitter had a very distinct culture, you know, before he was there. And Elon brings a very distinct culture that's going to be mm-hmm. very different. And so he's having to rebuild a team that's going to thrive in the environment that he's creating with his leadership preference. Yeah. So there's not a right or a wrong thing. It's really about understanding how can we be sustainable in our leadership and how can we build a team that's really going to find that that environment is rewarding for them. It's sustainable for them. And it can help us also hit the profitability goals that we're looking for at the same time. Right. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, happy people are going to be more productive. You know, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Simon Sinek says it. You know, we could go on and on about a lot of thought leaders talking about that. I guess the thing I guess I'll ask to you that I'm sure somebody would be sitting here asking is, are you saying everybody should be like, you know, a Apple environment or Google environment, you know, those environments where, you know, you have coffee and food and is that what you're saying? Or are you, are you saying something else? Cause I don't want anybody tuning in to misinterpret what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I think it's about just understanding, you know, what, you know, well-being and meaningful work and sustainability looks like um, that's connected to your industry and maybe connected to the products that you offer. I think that will look different depending on what industry you're in. You know, obviously, if you're in manufacturing and you're trying to build a Google environment and, uh, you know, some snobby coffee, um, you know, with your uh, Smeg, you know, espresso, uh, you know, machines, um, that investment's going to yield a different result. You might make the investment and see something positive from it, but it may not yield the level of uh, return that you're hoping for. So it's really about being smart about ROI, understanding your workforce that you have versus understanding the workforce that you want. And many companies get caught in that transition of saying, hey, we hired for expertise, but we have a high turnover rate. So how do we shift the culture to be sustainable, to decrease that turnover rate so that employees will will want to work here? And so founders, teams, executive teams have some powerful decisions to make at becoming more aware of who they are as a company. And I, I think companies are just like people. Yeah. You know, they have character traits. They have they have a personality. They have tendencies. They have blind spots. So it's important to understand how we can build a culture around our strength. But you also be aware of the blind spots because it's in those blind spots where people will start to have inconsistent experience. That's the place where, you know, they get frustrated. They feel unsustainable those types of things. And so we have to be aware so that we can architect an intentional culture that is thriving and, uh, and and allows it to be there. So, I mean, I, I have personal preferences as a founder. I have hobbies, things that I enjoy. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I, I bring those hobbies into the work environment. And I have found people who enjoy those things as well. And I will tell you, those relationships do better in this environment because we're able to relate and talk about things um, that are meaningful at a personal level that just create a sense of connection. They create a sense of 
trust. They create relatability. And of course, that creates momentum in saying yes to objectives and performance and synergy at the, uh, you know, at the at the KPI level. And yeah. so if we're wanting to see those KPIs get hit, having a personal connection is so important. And really, people are just not tolerating the robotics of punch in, punch out. And uh, they're looking for something greater. Oh, no, I would have to agree. And I would also have to agree that um, as the generation Y, you know, because um, that's the next biggest generation, um, they're really going to command how they want to be hired, how they want to their workplace and their environment. And it's so very different than what we're accustomed to, right? Because I'm a Gen X, I'm all about hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work. You know, almost every generation you can attest, right? A profile to like some characteristic profiles. And I think the biggest challenge for a lot of um, business owners, you know, is how do they manage that generation that they don't understand, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's very, awareness, you know, that every generation is going to have their own tendencies. And so you have Gen Y who's emerging as leaders now. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not the, the, you know, they're not first time employees anymore. Um, they are getting into their 40s and uh, being introduced to the age of 40. And there's a, there's a, they have gray hairs now. They're, they're starting to show up with some gray hair, which means they have a little bit of experience, um, but they have a very different set of values. Yeah. And, and they're, and they have a very human centric set of values, meaning that they are not just counting profit. Uh, they want to make sure that uh, that the investors had a dignifying experience, partners had a dignifying experience, users had a, a dignifying experience, and the workforce has a dignifying experience. And so they are questioning that experience. And we have access to data today, which means there's no excuse to be unaware. And they also bring in that level of accountability uh, because data is just normal to them. We have data. They're used to using data, projecting off of data. They've been they've been raised in their careers, never not knowing a situation where there wasn't data available. And so it's very, very interesting. And and they're obviously, you know, hiring Gen uh, Gen Z right now yep. uh, as the as the new workforce. Gen Z starting to get out of college and they're entering the workforce and and they're maintaining that, if not double downing on it. And yes. there's really a general sense of, you know, this uh, something very interesting is that, you know, we're seeing out of Gen Z is that they really believe that what we used to call family experience that was as that was exclusive to your bloodline are experiences now that they believe are possible and they do pursue with any human that they're looking to relate with. And so they're bringing this, this aspect, you know, to the workforce. And this has really been, been proliferated or empowered by the female voice in the workforce, which has been very exciting. And so a a male dominant led, you know, environment from a culture standpoint was was very functional and uh, and 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 very per, uh, performance oriented from an expertise standpoint, and we're really seeing that as as female voices are rising in business, it's making us you know be uh, much more accountable at a at a social level, and and I think we would be ignorant to not align those two trends together, which I think is very exciting and 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 opening up new possibilities to the level of 
social and emotional intelligence that are coming into companies. And so um, and so we do well when both voices are present. And I think the marketplace is seeing the benefit of that, you know, over the last 20 years. And so now the new workforce is demanding it. It's yeah. been introduced, it's been opened up, there's a gateway for it. Now there's a demand for it. And the workforce is saying, hey, we're not going to work for anything less than this. And so this relatability is very, very interesting uh, because we have the, the most educated workforce with the most data, with the most relational and human demand we've ever seen. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I would love for you to coach Elon Musk because <laughs> if you saw that uh, email that was on Twitter, or at least I saw it, um, and the words that he spoke, it really contradicts what his original presence was, right? His original presence was to speak for his team and they were inclusive, right? And I think what in one of the emails I had read from Elon Musk was, I want people to work harder. And if they're not willing to work harder, they can go away. Like it was so blatant and horrible. It was cold. And I, I'm like, did he have someone coach him because he needed to? <laughs> well, you know, so here's here's the tension is that, you know, when we're building a thriving culture, we're not just trying to say everybody can work here um, because that actually turns us all into robots. Right. Uh, we come into the lowest common denominator. I think actually Elon's Elon's pursuit is is saying, hey, this is how I prefer to work. And I would like to build rebuild Twitter in a way that fits my leadership style. And so if he has employees who don't have his preferences and the pace that they work at, it's only going to create constant conflict. Right. And so boundaries are a hard thing for us to, to understand because in today's culture, um, we're, we're trying to figure out how to be respectful for people. But yet also, how do we also be autonomous? How, how do we how do I know where I start and I stop? Everything can't be fluid. Um, I have to start and stop somewhere. I, I my my reach has limitations. My capacity has limitations, which means my commitments have limitations. And I think as leaders, we have to understand these things and make hard decisions about what it takes to build in a way that's sustainable for us. Um, I think there's you know, um, I think there's. I don't know that he worded the email perfectly. I haven't re read the email, yeah. but I know, generally speaking, the he's the guy that sleeps under the conference table desk. He's right. the guy who has a cot and, and, and doesn't have homes and all these types of things, which seems outlandish or crazy in today's culture that someone would behave that way. <laughs> but if that's how he's getting things done and he's, you know, on a save the world mission yeah. here and that's what it's taking and that's what's sustainable for him. No one's ever going to be like Elon, but right. finding people who at least make room for that and will follow that, I think, is important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, you hit on uh, some really great points there because uh, for the person that doesn't align with it, it punched them in the gut. Right. But for the person that it aligns with, they're like, yay, finally, all these dead weights can leave. You know, so I get it. I got it. Yeah, I mean, certainly. It and. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's not a right or a wrong thing, in my, in my opinion, because it's, it's a preference thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Twitter had um, had a high lifestyle experience motivator mm -hmm. where Elon has a greater good for society motivator, which which leads with urgency. And yep. so yep. he believes his product now has an urgent mandate 
So now that urgency turns into more hours, turns into, you know, yeah. a different, you know, experience. And so, you know, and once again, that's why companies are people and the, the personality of Twitter has changed. Yes. And so now that culture is having to be reimagined in a way that will be dignifying for a new group of people and uh, that it can also then be profitable as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is great. I, I guess we could be talking on and on. Let's talk about you through like, who is the ideal client that you work with? I just, if you could describe that ideal client. Yeah. So, you know, we, we really love uh, working with, you know, emerging companies, right. And so small businesses, um, you know, teams from 20 to a hundred people that are in transition of growth and really needing to understand how to not just hire the expert or just try to get their get their workforce filled with more people, but really build a sustainable company. Um, yeah. Whether it's going to be sold or it's going to be held, um, to me, it just really comes down to, is it sustainable? And are we doing right by others, uh, whether it's future investors, our current workforce, our future workforce, um, are we doing right by others um, in the way that we're, you know, we're building? And so, um, and so I love uh, being able to come in and to articulate and bring language to the identity of companies so that they can build a thriving culture that will allow them to grow people and profit at the same time. And I don't believe we have to forsake one for the other. Many people yeah. do. They kind of sit in these extremes and it's, hey, to grow profits, people have to be numbers. And there's other people who are like, hey, to grow people, you have to ignore profitability. And those are called nonprofits. And so I <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot of people out there because of our social justice and social awareness, yep. which I love all those things. Um, they're trying to understand how to place that demand on, you know, on the marketplace. And ultimately, we have to find the path that allows for people to grow and profitability to grow at the same time. And so I help companies reimagine that and, and to grow that. And so um, and so I find myself oftentimes, you know, in workshops and introducing these concepts and finding ways to bring value that will allow us to go deeper, to build with the business and to really get it to some of its key objectives from a human capital point of view. And so I have the chance to, you know, uh, to be on stages and do speaking and keynotes, um, as well as, you know, lead workshops and get into discovery experiences that will allow companies to understand what the path is going forward and really being sustainable on their human capital and building a team that will thrive, find meaningful work and and uh, and really be able to hit the core objectives of delivering the product or service to the people who need it the most, um, which I think should be all of our core motivators for why we're working where we're at. The world should be slightly better because our product or service exists. Yeah. And uh, and so I love helping people reimagine that and and to go after it. But you know, we have a beautiful you know growth engine. You know that ultimately, as we get to know clients and get to understand what their key objectives are, we're really able to link them to a lot of uh, powerful resources that will grow uh, systematically um, as we grow the people as well. But we want to start with the people and see where we can get from there. And so the groups that you're speaking to, because you're always open to speaking to groups. What kind of groups are you talking to? Like, um, like the restaurant association group, are you talking to like chambers? Who are you talking to? Yeah. So I've had the joy of being on, you know, numerous stages, you know, across many different industries and scenarios. 
So no matter if it's governance groups, if it's, you know, the board of realtors or uh, a particular industry of restaurateurs, or um, it's just, you know, hey, come to this conference for founders where you just learn how to be a better CEO and a better leader. Um, I've done everything from the leadership conferences, entrepreneurship conferences, uh, you name it. I've been across the board. And so um, ultimately it's leaders who want to grow. And yep. want to be mindful of people in that process and be responsible for the experience they're giving people um, that they're leading. Uh, that's always a great fit for me. Okay, awesome. And how do people connect to you? Yeah, well, thank you for asking. Uh, DrewNeal.com is, uh, is the beginning point. And so um, there on my website, you can see the companies that I run as well as understand uh, some of the experience here on the front end of these uh, customized keynotes, uh, as well as workshops that we do for leaders and teams. And so uh, at the workshop level, we love going into uh, with executive teams or a particular strategic groups inside of companies that have been tasked with measuring culture and understand how to build a thriving culture for everyone that's there. And so um so it's exciting. I love the small room being with the room of 10 people and a marker board. We can fill that marker board up real fast <laughs> with real practical discoveries and walkout steps. Uh, or we can move a room with thousands of people and give them key takeaways that will enrich any conference or event that's going on as well. That is awesome. You know what, Drew? I think someone would be remiss not to hire you. Um, you speak very well. And obviously, you're well-versed in your topic. Um, this has been a great conversation. I really, really loved it. And I, I know that this is a key thing moving forward. So as companies and organizations think about people, right, human capital and the technology that's in place, and then how do they align with the, you know, people with technology and then efficiencies, right? Grow your team, grow your leadership and uh, make things work for you so that you scale. Yeah, most definitely. You know, we're all trying to negotiate the relationship between technology, finance, and people. And, uh, and I really kind of sit in the sweet spot of that intersection and make sure that um, we have the right experts in finance and in our, in our technology, and also we have the right people on the bus. And so um, it's an exciting space to be in. And, um, you know, and so, but to be human is the premium experience. Yeah. You know, when you can automate everything, people are going to want human experience, oh, which means money is going to be easy to get. Technology is going to be easy to get. The name of the game is going to be human experience. And so we're excited to help people develop that. And I, you know what, I can, um, I can really share that thought with you because anytime I have to do support nowadays, it's always a bot. It's, oh, it's everything mechanical, nothing human, you know? And for someone that is as a customer, you know, on the on the other end, it can be very frustrating because you're like, how do I get a hold of someone? And I will tell you, Facebook is the worst at it. They are the worst. You know, <laughs> so I get what you're saying. Totally get it. Thank you yeah, so yeah. much, Drew. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and I hope everyone connects with you and uh, you have some people that reach out to you. Um, thank you again for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here today, Kat, and um, look forward to chatting again some other time. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me on uh, Stand Out and Grow. I hope that you really enjoyed this conversation that I had with Drew. Um, lots of great information. Uh, if you're looking at it, opportunities to grow or scale your business, if you're looking for a keynote speaker, uh, please connect with Drew. Um, he is well-versed in this topic. And I love it. It was a great conversation. I think we could have spoke 
on and on and on and on. Uh, until next time, you got this, right? You do. I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stand Out and Grow. Check out all the notes and links at www.standoutandgrow.com. I am so thankful to you for helping this show continue to grow. I want to keep producing content that you want to hear. So please leave me some feedback. I look forward to bringing you more resources and information to help your business stand out and grow. Please follow us on social media and make sure you follow this podcast so you can learn more about helping your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Until next time, you got this. Advertise helps businesses stand out and grow with affordable advertising options. We will help you make good business decisions so you can save money and not just throw it against the wall to see if it sticks. Get your free strategic advertising analysis today so you can see the opportunities to stand out and grow your business. Visit www.standoutandgrow.com offers page to learn more.